Hi, this is Jean-Jacques Taylor, and you're listening to Jot Talk. This is a podcast where I talk about the Cowboys, the team I've covered as a beat writer, columnist, TV insider, and radio host for 28 years. I'll also talk about the NFL and the things I love, working out, streaming, food, and all things Dallas. My boy, Big Joe and the Big Rig, one of my oldest friends, produces the show and occasionally chimes in with his thoughts on the Cowboys. After all, he's a lifelong Cowboys fan, and he played high school, college, and semi-pro football. Welcome to Jock Talk, where sports is fluid. What's true today might not be true an hour, a day, or a month from now. I'm going to give you the truth straight. No chaser. Glad to have you aboard. Let's get it. Welcome, my friends, to episode 12 of Jock Talk. I hope you are dazzled for the next hour or so as me and Big Joe and the Big Rig get you caught up on the, the Cowboys, some college football, some NFL. And of course, you know, if it's Wednesday, that means four plays to shape the game and my boy Todd Archer. Now, I got to tell you, um, I'm looking forward to this because uh, this is San Francisco week, so it feels like a playoff game, even though it's week five and we know it's not a playoff game and we know that there will be no referendum based on who wins and who loses, but a narrative will take shape based on who wins and who loses. Either the Cowboys are, here we go again, they can't beat no good teams, all they can do is beat sorry teams, or it's going to be, hey, look at the Cowboys. Boys, they stepped up and showed us a little something. Aren't we impressed? But before all that happens, before we call my boy Todd Arch to see what he's up to, I got to tell you, none of this is possible without my friends at Greeny Law. And so here's the deal. If you're involved in an accident and you're not at home, you know, you're on the road, you're at the construction site, you're at a, at a restaurant, wherever. If you're involved in an accident, you get hurt and it's not your fault. Hey, what you need to do first and foremost, seriously. Pick up the phone and call my friends at Greening Law, 972-934-8900. Here's what you need to understand. Consultation, free, F-R-E-E, free. Tell them your situation, see what they say, and uh, if they bring you on as a client, let me tell you, it's been your lucky day. Um, And here's why. Whenever you're involved in something and you're going up against somebody else's insurance company, that thing can be long and tedious, and it can be a little... um, debilitating sometimes you know but when you got somebody to walk you through that process it's all that much better you know right now it feels like i'm being attacked by some lawnmowers who have decided to go right outside my window it sounds like it yeah, yeah and if i were to be hurt by them the first thing i do is call green and law and help have them walk me through the process but uh check this out they don't get paid unless you get paid so you never have to wonder about whether they're grinding for you they're always working on your behalf and so if you're involved in an accident, it's not your fault. Let them help you because they'll assign doctors for you. They'll set up appointments for you. Um, they do all the things so that you can focus on getting healthy and renewing your strength and energy so you can get back to the life that you had. Give them a call, 972-934-8900. And uh, remember, you ain't got to take my word for it. You can check them out at greeninglaw.com and uh, see all the good things that they do. Right now, though, before these lawnmowers attack me again, Let's call my boy Todd Archer and see what's up with them Dallas Cowboys. Hello. What up, bro? What's going on? Nothing, man. It's time to uh, talk Cowboys. This is my man Todd Archer, sponsored by Smokey John's Barbecue. You hear him each and every Wednesday on Jack Talk. Now, I, w- I want to warn you. There are a bunch of, bunch of uh, what do you call it, aliens with these saws outside my window today. 
I think they're cutting the grass. I don't know why they picked right now to cut the grass. Uh, so if you hear me being attacked, <laughs> that's what it is. All these years later, you still don't cut your own grass. Some things never change. And some things ain't never going to change, whether it's Michael Jackson, Johnson, or some aliens. Jacques Taylor ain't never, ever cut no grass. Okay? Let's put that down for the record. That? Man of the people. Say, <laughs> that's me. I was going to say something else, but I decided it was too much. It was too much. <laughs> I didn't crack myself up. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm going to ask you this before we, before we rewind a minute. It's San Francisco week. I've been waiting for this. I thought they'd both be 5-0. and uh, do you feel a little uh, four do you feel 4-0 going into this game? Do you think it's going to feel a little different vibe this week? Yeah. I mean, you know, we uh, Jonathan Hankins saying this is a playoff game in October. Like, th- this is a – and Mike McCarthy saying this is a, you know, bigger deal than just a, a you know, normal regular season game. So, yeah, I mean, it, it takes on a different feel because – this is a team that's ended the Cowboys season the last two years. And it's funny, you know, you go back and you look and you think, Cowboys didn't have a chance in either one of those games. They're both one-score games. And the Cowboys <laughs> played poorly offensively in both those games for sure. But in the defense led up some untimely plays in both of them. So it's not like the Niners just rolled them without any opportunity to win these games, right? So this doesn't, this doesn't define the season if they lose or even if they win. But if they were to win, it validates what they might think of them. Maybe not what they think of themselves, but what people want to think of the Cowboys. Because right now, let's be honest, it's still kind of a question because that Arizona loss still hangs out there. As good as they've been in their three wins, it's really like, well, what was the Arizona game all about? It doesn't make any sense. No, I think it's a, uh, a much bigger game for Dallas, not just for their psyche. You don't want to lose to them yet again. But also, I mean, we're only five weeks into the season, but you don't want to be behind them two losses in the win column and they have the tiebreaker over you because that's basically three losses. I mean, you basically be three games behind San Francisco, uh, you know, five games into the season. And no, they're not in the same division. I've gone past that. I'm thinking playoffs and playoff seeding and all of that. And so to me, it's an even bigger game just because, uh, you know, they have a significant advantage if they win this one. Well, absolutely, and but I'll bring it to the division. If you lose this one, you're you're three and two, and the worst Philadelphia is going to be is four and one. Now they'd have two games to play them still, and there's plenty of time to yada yada yada. But you want to make sure you're keeping Philadelphia. You're at least in the rearview mirror. And, and last year they really weren't in the rearview mirror, even though whatever the final records were for those teams. You know, Philadelphia kind of ran away with it a little bit, kind of maybe tailed off a little at the end. But, right. you know, you want to stay in, in, in the race with Philly because you, you, you whenever you play the Niners, you hope that game is at home. But you're the Cowboys. You want a, you want a home playoff game. You, you don't want to have to go on the road. That, that's that's like the number one goal. So that that's winning the division. So that that that's another part of the importance of this one for the Cowboys, too, is make sure you're keeping track and keeping pace with Philadelphia by winning this one too, while getting the side benefit of maybe putting a little, creeping some doubt into San Francisco's mind that the Cowboys can actually beat them. Now that's enough San Francisco talk for now. Let's rewind to the, uh, to the Patriots game, uh, your hometown team. Uh, um, I slipped that in there. Were you a Patriots fan growing uh, up? I was not. 
I guess. They, they were so bad when up? I was growing up. I was probably the Giants, okay. to be honest with you, because my, my dad was a Giants fan. He grew up in New York. Okay. I was going to say, for those of you who don't know, Ty grew up right outside of Boston in Medford. Uh, played three sports star. Medway. Damn, Medway. Medford. I was close. I got the med part. Um, yeah. Three sports star. Yeah. Soccer, baseball, basketball. Yeah. Um, so who was your... Uh, What's your best? What was your best collegiate? I mean, your best high school sports moment. I'm going off track here because I'm curious. Uh, wow, well, I haven't thought about this, and I feel like we need Springsteen's <laughs> Glory Days to be playing in the background. Uh, we won my senior year in high school. We won our league championship. Uh, we lost uh, in the quarterfinals or something like that in the state tournament to a guy that became Massachusetts all-time leading scorer, so that didn't hurt that much. Uh, and, yeah, I would probably... Soccer, we, we beat our rival 4 nothing in soccer, Medfield. Uh, <laughs> and it, it was... Uh, we, we had a former Patriot kicker was actually at the game, and he said it was the best high school soccer game he had ever seen. So that that maybe that one stands out, too. It's real, real top-notch stuff everybody's getting here on Jock Talk right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, wait till I promo it. So don't worry about all that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you think about uh, your Dallas Cowboys? And I mean that in the colloquialism, not Todd Archer's Dallas Cowboys. Uh, handing Bill Belichick the worst loss of his career. Didn't see that one coming. Um, thought they'd win, um, but didn't think it would be 38-3. Um, you know, they, the, the defense just didn't let the Patriots breathe. And... The, the the offense did enough, right? I mean, again, red zone. I'm sure we'll get into that, but I mean, they've the three wins. They've outscored the opponents 108 to 13. Like this stuff isn't supposed to happen. These game NFL games are supposed to be close, and, and the Cowboys are just when they're on, they're showing how good they can be. And look, the the Eagles kind of struggled with the Patriots. The Dolphins kind of struggled with the Patriots. Um, now both those games were in Foxborough, I get so, but they just they just took it to them. And was there ever? It was ten to three, and the Patriots had the ball. And I still am like, yeah, I don't. They, no, they're not going to score here. And then there's the <laughs> foul or strip sack fumble by Vander Esch, and they they score. And then the fake thing, and then the picks it. I mean. It just snowballed, and that's kind of what the Cowboys have done to these teams. They just kind of get on them and snowball them. Um, defensively, what do you think about their performance? Considering they played like poop the week before. Right, and that's what you – I thought Dan Quinn, when he talked to us on, on Monday, when he said that was more like us because that's what he said disappointed most about Arizona. wasn't, you know, giving up the plays and yards that they did, but just like their – their feel and their attitude uh, almost in a way. Uh, but that game was certainly more like what you expect the Cowboys defense to be flying around and creating turnovers, getting out, affecting the quarterback, all that stuff. But, but now it's, you know, the question this week is take it on the road, and, you know, and, and everybody that old NFL adage, which whether it's true or not, doesn't matter, but defense is supposed to travel. Well, let's see if it travels against the quarterback who's never lost a regular season game and the, and a running back that's scored a touchdown in what thirteen straight games? Sorry, at San Francisco, we won't. We'll, we'll save that. My bad. 
No, it's all good. He said, you want to talk about San Francisco uh, later, so I didn't want to. No, 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 it's all good. We, we flew it here on Zocta. We do whatever we want to do. Uh, but okay. I'm curious, uh, and, and we'll, we'll get back to that since you want to talk about it, and that's cool. What, um, offensively from your Dallas Cowboys, uh, what did you see this week that you liked or didn't like? I mean, you have to start with the red zone again. It's one of four, and it was the, the one was in the late in the fourth quarter, and Hunter Lipke scores. So, um, you know, some of it, this one was kind of getting in their own way, literally. Like, think of Pollard and, and Dak bumping into each other on the, the first, I think it was the first drive, right? That, right. that leads to a field goal. And then there's a couple sacks down in the red zone where there, there's some protection issues. Um, you know, it's funny how one yard kind of can change something, but the CD touchdown catch doesn't even count as a red zone play uh, because it was a 20-yard touchdown, not a 19-yard. But that that was – at least they gave CD opportunities down there with something they hadn't done the first three games. Um, I, I, I don't know why the – I realize it's tighter space and it's hard to operate and da-da-da-da-da. But there's something that happens to that run game down there where, like, whatever their schematic changes, because they've made changes to their running game um, than, than what they've done uh, with, with, with in the past when Kellen Moore is a coordinator and, and whoever is the O-line coach. Um, right. some reason, it's just not working down there. I don't know if it's they're specific, trying to get wide or trying to do different things. It's just they, they've got to figure that out because as we talked last week the best teams run the ball in the end zone and they're they're not even close to that and yeah i mean was it now it's seven of 19 in the in the red zone 37 percent well the good thing converted 70 percent of the time last year well the good thing is they're still leading the league or near the top of the league in attempts down there so they're moving down there uh they just got to figure out how to cash in on them um you know, well, yeah, you got to do that when you're playing good teams. You can't kick field goals against teams like San Francisco and the Eagles and whoever else you want in Buffalo, Miami, whoever else you want to see who's on the schedule. It's going to be a good team, Detroit. You know, th- those are going to be the games you're going to have to score those score touchdowns. It, it's great to have the the at bats, but at some point you have to factor in the average too. Um, Dak Prescott. Uh, as we move back into San Francisco, he got a little teed at you for the second week in a row because uh, you asked about uh, San Francisco and, and uh, does the loss fuel them? I'm paraphrasing here, and I said, and I, I mean, maybe that's what maybe that's why you hit me. I said, well, you know, if Dak doesn't want those questions, then he's got to play better and they got to win, and then you don't get those questions. If you don't want questions about interceptions, then you can't lead the league in interceptions, and you won't get those questions. Just like. In San Francisco, they ain't asking Brock Purdy about you know losing. They're asking about, hey, do you think you can build off those two wins and do those that carry over to this week? It's just you know until you change the narrative, the narrative remains. Yeah, and I, I could have phrased the question better, but I just wanted to like, hey, take us back to January and what that was like in the locker room. I, I know what it was like, but their words help convey it better than my words. And then, you know, to get the answer, uh, you know, how much does that loss fuel you still? And he almost cusses there, which was good. Uh, right. And he says every day. So that tells you, like, you know, what, what it means to these guys. I, I, I mean, I, I didn't think I was being some kind of clickbaity gotcha <laughs> guy when I asked the question. I legitimately want to know, hey, what was it like in there? Because they put so much into this every year, and he, he knows, like, 
next year's team isn't that team wasn't going to be this year's team and this year's team's not going to be next year's team because there's going to be changeover and guys leaving and all that um you know and he didn't like it that's fine i at some point they're not supposed to like our questions you know that's fine by me jeff perlman one of the best sports writers and i don't think dak hates me and i don't certainly don't hate dak at all no no he's been great for the eight years we've had him so i I mean it's fine we're all good (laughs) no this is what i was going to tell you uh jeff perlman one of the best sports writers out there to me he's now he now writes books all the time uh, he put out there on Twitter, he was talking about something totally different. But he was like, if you're, if you're a journalist and the people that you cover think you're a great guy and they're never mad at you, then you're probably not really doing your job. Because at some point you have to ask questions that either irritate somebody or piss them off uh, because it's the question that needs to be asked at a particular moment or a particular time. And, uh, you know, that's just the nature of the business. And then if they respect you, you know, they'll be like, ah, you know. I didn't feel like it at that moment, but it's not a big deal. It's just everybody knows what the game is and what the business is, and that's kind of how I viewed Dak's answer to you yesterday, or whenever. Well, it was. yeah, and I, yeah, and and Dak more than anybody understands because of the position he plays and who he plays it for. Knows there's a lot of stuff that comes with the dinner of being the Cowboys' quarterback, and that other guys don't have to deal with. Um, and I'm not even saying this is stuff, right? But you know, every once in a while, if he wants to get chippy, chippy or Kurt or Kurt or Surly or whatever, hey, I don't like us sometimes either. So that's fine. <laughs> like that's just the way it goes. And I'm not uh, trying to be Johnny journalist here either. Like <laughs> just just trying to ask ask a question to 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 get the answer that to something that I'm curious about. Uh, how do you think they match up with San Francisco right now? It's still all going to be about their run defense, right? I mean, yeah, it was great against New England. Now, has it been was it great against New England because the the game got so out of whack that it didn't matter if they ran the ball? Oh, well, you know, the whole chicken and egg thing. What comes first? Um, right. And Arizona still again stands in your mind of of them running for seven point four yards a carry in that game. So. You know, the the one thing that San Francisco was able to do against the Cowboys, again, those were close games. It was 19-12 and 23-17. to There were one-score games where the Cowboys had chances to tie or win the game late, right? Um, right. And, they, and they didn't come through. But San Francisco had, had, I think, 32 and 38 carries for 115 and 130-something yards. Like oh, that's the really good. yard per carry average – Pretty good run defense, but it's the attempts right. that that's where San Francisco controlled those games against the Cowboys defense. And that's why I asked Jerry Jones after the game, the, were the moves that you made in this offseason designed to beat San Francisco? He said, yes. <laughs> like run defense, Mozzie Smith, that's why he's here. Mike McCarthy is a play caller to take away the, the, the turnovers. That That's why he's here. And so far, Dak has one interception in, in four games. Now, some of that is his average air yards per attempt is the lowest he's ever had, and his average time to pass is the lowest he's ever had. But if the name of the game is not giving the other team the ball, they're doing a pretty good job of it. No, it's okay to sometimes to just punt and play defense. I mean, they make, it's not like teams are, like, stopping them. Uh, and if they weren't having these red zone problems, we wouldn't even be saying that because they, they would have scored a lot more points. 
so now I'm I'm really intrigued by this game. I'm uh, I'm excited to see how it turns out. I'm excited to see how they compete because when you declare by your move by your actions and your words as a playoff game, then you know we expect to see a certain intensity and a certain performance, win, lose, or draw. And uh, I think uh, the the point that you made is the best one because uh, uh, you know Big Joe and the Big Rig has talked about this forever. It ain't really about your yards per attempt. If you don't dissuade somebody from running the ball and they just keep banging and banging and banging, they still kind of in control because you haven't made them do what you want them to do. Right. And, and that's, I mean, you look at San Francisco's line and, and you immediately think of Trent Williams, right? And then some of the blocks that he's made where he gets pulling and just takes right. guys out. Like their line is a big, powerful unit. And it's not the same as it was uh, last year. They lost, uh, I can't remember the tackle's name right now, but they lost one of their guys in free agency. Um, but that's the, you know, when you look at the Cowboys defense, it's largely built on speed and guys fitting gaps and responsibilities, not just the brute strength. I think this is a week for Jonathan Hankins and Mozzie Smith when we've seen them playing together here a little bit and um, for, for see how they can control the interior and see how that helps the guys over the top flow to the ball to slow down McCaffrey. That, that I mean, Purdy's Purdy's unbelievable. It's a great start what he's doing, but that you know the game a couple weeks ago that they played was it Monday night, Sunday night, whatever game I watched. Like the dude should have had three picks. Right. Like he'll give he'll give you a chance. Now he didn't last week against no, Arizona, did. completing all the two, one, two, three. Yeah, I mean ridiculous, right? But you know. He's shown he'll give you the chance, so the Cowboys need to take take advantage of those when, when they get them. But they don't have to win this one. But if you're going to go down, go down because they beat you, not because you contributed so much to that loss. All right, I, I don't know. You. That's a smart uh, not, thing to say. I'm not asking for a score, but who you think uh, who you think wins on Tuesday or Wednesday? Hmm. We're recording this on that's Tuesday, my, so that's why I get my days mixed up. Okay. Well, they don't play on a Tuesday or Wednesday, so that's why I was like, when you ask who the, who's going to win on Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm like, oh, shoot, I didn't know they are playing. A, I didn't know it was a home at home. Um, I, I'm going to go with the Niners just because they've beaten them the last two times. It's at their place. Uh, I, I think Kyle Shanahan's probably the best or one of the best play callers going, and when he gets something on a team, I, I think he knows how to exploit it. So until the Cowboys stop it, I'm going to say the Niners, but I, I think this is going to be a, you know, slugfest, 27-26 type of type of game. I, I don't, I don't see the Cowboys giving it to them uh, with, with turnovers, fumbles, interceptions, whatever. Uh, I, I just think this is going to be a, a really, really, really close game that the Cowboys can still say, okay, we got something for these guys if we see them again in the postseason. Uh, one question before we let you go, completely and totally off topic. Do oh you think the Rangers should have celebrated for their 15 minutes after they clinched this playoff spot, even though they had not won the division? Yeah. You, I mean, as far as I can tell, they, they didn't, like, party until the break of dawn, right? <laughs> true. It true. was a quick deal. So making the playoffs any kind of manner – is a celebratory thing. When the Cowboys make the playoffs, so they hand out hats, they do. 
So yeah. or T-shirts or whatever. So yeah, yeah celebrate. I don't think that, but I, I don't think the fact that they had a quick woohoo moment in the lo- in the clubhouse. Sorry, almost the locker room. It's clubhouse in baseball. <laughs> meant that they didn't play well the next day. Right, I don't either. Right? I mean, they lost a one nothing game. It wasn't like they lost seven to three and they had five errors and they looked sloppy. They they lost one nothing against Seattle's uh, best pitcher. I mean, it's you know, it's baseball. <laughs> At the start of the season, how many people had the Rangers in the playoffs besides those fans and friends hardcore friends and Rangers fans? Nobody, right? And I know they spent the money and they you know they added the. Uh, the guy who got hurt early in the season, and there was some excitement. But still, like, would you have put them in the playoffs when they were in surprise Arizona? Probably not. So enjoy it. It's hard to get yeah. there. Fans have such a hard time enjoying stuff, dude. They get on my nerves. And people just in general, they made the playoffs. It's okay. Way to have it. You're not really selling your podcast to people, saying nah. if well, the people the listening are getting on your nerves. <laughs> No, because the people who listen to Jacques Talk are not your tri- typical fans. They're educated fans. I'm talking about those uneducated fans who don't enjoy the moment. And one of them is a good friend of mine, a guy named Christopher Scott. And uh, I'm going off topic, but it's interesting. you going to say Clarence E. Hill Jr. No, no. Christopher Scott, he's a, he's a friend of mine. And I have, a, I have the utmost of respect for him because he was one of those cats on death row who got exonerated, I think, after 12 years. Uh, so if you can imagine being in prison, being on death row for something you didn't do and uh, getting out of prison. And now he has devoted his life to helping other people who, you know, get exonerated off of death row for crimes that they didn't commit. So he's doing great work. But as I tell him sometimes, you dog, what are you? You're the worst fan ever. Like the Rangers win 90 games, 22 more than last year. All those injuries they had in the second half. All those opportunities they had to lay down and quit on the season, especially after they got just humiliated by Houston at the crib and then lost the next game to Oakland, and they get up off the mat and they win six in a row and all this other stuff. And when they lost the last game, he tweets out, this team has no heart, they got no desire, they're just a bunch of guys who show up and collect a paycheck. I'm paraphrasing. And I was just like, dude, have you been watching the season? <laughs> so anyway, fans like that, even though he's my boy. So I try to set people straight. So anyway, that's what we're doing, Jock Talk, man. We get a little bit of everything. Todd Archer, we appreciate you, bro. We'll uh, go off the wheels right. again next Wednesday. <laughs> I'll see if I can come up with a better high school sports story for you. Okay, you got a week to work on it. <laughs> Checks right. in the mail. All right, bro. Sounds good. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. See ya. All right. That, friends, that's my boy, Todd Archer, brought to you each and every Wednesday by Smokey John's Barbecue. Over there at 1820 Mockingbird, uh, about five minutes from downtown, right off of Mockingbird. And so let me tell you about Smokey John's Barbecue. It is fantastic. It is delicious. It is love for your mouth. That's right, love for your mouth. And what I tell everybody, and if you're listening and you haven't gone by to get it, go check it out. And it's called Jam Session Bowl. I've been telling Big Joe and the Big Rig I'm going to bring him one sometime in the next couple weeks. And that is the truth, not a lie. I just haven't figured out when to do it. But what happens is you get, now check this out. It's on the secret menu. That's right. Not everybody knows about it. It's on the secret menu. If you don't see it, you got to ask for it because don't nobody, ain't nobody going to tell you about it. So what happens is they give you a choice. You want to. 
put the base with macaroni and cheese or mashed potatoes. Then they give you your choice, your choice, two out of five smoked meats. Your boy typically rocks with the brisket and the sausage. Although I have been known to go double brisket or I have been known to go brisket and chicken. But typically I go with the brisket and the sausage. Then all that stuff you find on the loaded baked potato, you know, chives, bacon bits, cheese, sour cream, butter. They put all that on top of that. Okay. Then I tell them drizzle it with sauce. Other people tell them drench it with sauce. Either way, it's fantastic. So let me tell you, it's easily enough food for two people. Easy. If you got a little shorty, that's uh, five or six, three of y'all can eat off of it. If it's one person, now perhaps you may be like me in my fat boy days, you can handle it. Or you're a big person, tall, you know, thick, you can handle it. Otherwise, prepare to take leftovers home. Uh, but either way, either way, the Jam Session Bowl is absolutely, positively fantastic. It is love for your mouth. And check this out about Smokey John's, because this is real now. You can have a taste of Smokey John's at the crib. Go to the website, SmokeyJohns.com. Click on the marketplace. You can order the sauce or the rub that they use on all their meats. You can order that thing and have it delivered to your crib, to the house. Just like that. In a couple days, you can have it at your house. If you don't want to wait a couple days, check this out. There are HEBs all over DFW. All over DFW. Frisco, Waxahachie, all over DFW. Go check them out at HEBs. Pick up the sauce. Pick up the rub. It's both fantastic. You know, I, my only problem is I can only eat it every nine. If I eat it every day like I want to, I'd be back to being a big boy. And I'm not trying to go back to that lifestyle. <laughs> so Smokey John's Barbecue is the best you can get. They bring us Todd Archer each and every Wednesday. And now it's time for, if I can be honest with y'all, this next segment is really my favorite one uh, every week. And it's called Four Plays That Shape the Game. Now here's why I like it. And, uh, and it's also proved to be popular amongst you guys. The reason why I like it is in every game, there's usually like 120 players or so. But when you get down to it, and we all do this because we spend our time talking to our boys about it. Like, man, what happened? What if this has happened? Or you spend the time analyzing it or um, you listen to sports talk radio or you listen to a podcast and everybody's analyzing these few plays here or there because in most games, now check this out. In most, in almost every game, there are four or five plays that if they swing the other way, you win. If they swing the wrong way, you lose. And uh, it's fun for me to go back and examine those plays because once you look at it, you'll see just how close winning and losing is each and every week in the National Football League. And so with that, let's go ahead and take a look at the four plays that shaped the Cowboys' 38-3 win over the New England Patriots. Let me ask y'all something before we get started. Now that the Patriots suck, can they still be hated? That's just, I'm just asking. Now that they suck, can they still be hated? I mean, when they were good and they were winning every year, it makes sense. But when they suck, I don't know if they can be hated. But uh, anyway, without further ado, let's look at these four plays. And again, it starts off with the Cowboys, and I was interested in their approach in this. And I kind of like this from Mike McCarthy. Standard NFL procedure is you take the kick, you win the toss, you defer to the second half because you want to see how they operated in the first half. And if you're behind, it gives you a chance for momentum in the third quarter. If, if you're ahead, it gives you a chance to bury the other team. So most teams like the ball, get the ball to start the second half. Some games, though, Mike McCarthy's like, 
I want to set a tone with my offense. We're going to come out and show you what we're all about. I love our game plan this week. And so, boom, they took the ball, dog. Won the toss. Took the ball. Uh, obviously, in today's NFL, it's a touchback. But it didn't take them long, man, to move down the field. Uh, the big play was a 29-yard pass to Michael Gallup. Hey, it's nice to see him back in the offense. And how about this? Jalen Tolbert, y'all remember him? Last year's third-round pick. He picks up 18 yards, and the Cowboys are off and moving. And so what happens is they end up third and six on the New England 18. Now, this is important because why? They suck in the red zone. So this is a points play. If you can get a first down, you have a chance to get seven um, and feel good about your red zone offense. If you miss, uh, you still got a a 40-yard field goal. But, you know, the way Brandon Aubrey has been kicking – That should be good. So it's third and six, New England 18, and here's what happens. In the passing game today, Prescott over the middle for the end zone. It is caught for the touchdown. No, it's incomplete. He had it. He did not finish the catch. Luke Schoonmaker looked like he came down with it, but it's incomplete. Catch the ball, young man. Like, seriously, catch the ball. Your third-round pick, you got good hands, catch the ball. Now, I got to tell you, he ran a good route, okay? Got to step on the defender, and he's running a seam route. Defender is close. Uh, it almost looks like, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it's, it's a little bit of, uh, he's got another guy on the top of him. So Dak puts the ball really the only spot he can put it. And so he's got to reach behind him a little bit to make the catch. But... He's an athletic tight end. It's the kind of catch they drafted him to make. It's the kind of catch he's made before. He does everything but catch it, which is why. That's why KB, your announcer, was fooled. He called it a touchdown because he thought he had it. And instead, it's a drop. Yeah, I think, think he's going to end up being a baller, though. I think he got some good hands. I think he's going to end up being a baller. He just, he just knew. I, I mean, I don't disagree with that, but, you know, you, you these games are tight, and uh, that's a catch that they needed, especially with the red zone problems they had. When, when you're having the problem, kind of problems they're having in the red zone, you need the execution, you need the payoff so that you can get the confidence, so that you can get the belief that you can succeed down there. So he drops the pass. Tough catch, not impossible. On the tough catch, Okay, you know what? For on the tough catch grading scale, I would say that was about uh, a six and a half, maybe a seven, six and a half to seven. Uh, it wasn't anywhere close to a ten. So it's a catch that he can make. It's a catch he should have made. It's a catch he didn't make. And so the Cowboys um, end up uh, on third down and eighteen. Uh, I'm sorry, that was second and second and six from the eighteen when they threw it. So it ends up third and six. Uh, they convert it with a pass to Jake Ferguson, and they drive down to the one. And, uh, you know, there's some shenanigans down there where Pollard and, and Dak bump into each other on third and one from the one. So they end up kicking a field goal. So it's good that they take the ball, they move authoritatively, 10 plays, 70 yards, 4 minutes, 8 seconds. But it's a disappointment because they end up with a field goal instead of a touchdown. So it's 3 nothing, Dallas. And that leads us into our second play that shaped the game and to me you know what happens in these blowouts is 
most of the plays that really affect the game happen very early on <laughs> because the game becomes a blowout so early that, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of over. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's a situation where the Cowboys get New, New England takes the ball and then they drive all the way to the Dallas Six. All right. And it's, it's a play uh, that's going to determine, once again, you're going to get in the end zone or you're going to end up with, end up with a field goal. And uh, here's what happens on third and one from the Dallas Six. Third and one. Pressure from Parsons. Jones left the end zone. He had Gasicki, and they just missed. And it's fourth and one. Now, here's my problem with the call. Okay, you drove all the way down there. You've had a good running game. Uh, the Cowboys' run defense is shady. It's still early in the game, so nothing's really been established yet. They got third and down at the one. Third and one from the six. My thought was, this is two-down territory. Go take the lead early. I thought they'd run it on third down and then run it again on fourth down because it's hard for me to imagine if you're Bill Belichick and you got one of the better short yardage runners in Zeus Elliott, Zeke Elliott, if you want to try him. Uh, Stevenson is a bigger guy if you want to give him the ball. Uh, it's just hard for me to believe at that point of the game that Dallas is stopping you third and one, fourth and one um, from the sixth. I don't know. It's just me. And so I, I, I thought, thought they it, were. I thought it was a good call. How come? Well, it's better pass than touchdown. It's the execution. It wasn't a call to me. It was the execution. Better pass, touchdown. The second, right. the second, get a better angle on the ball. He gets two hands up, touchdown. It's better. That's just how I see it. No, nah, that's cool. Now I would say because you know it's Mac Jones, your quarterback. I take the out of you know. It's a lot can go wrong when he's throwing the ball. Yeah, so as you I say, would, two things can be true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, lot, yeah. Uh, so that's a, that's the only reason that came up because I just thought at the one, you're there. I just thought they'd have a hard time stopping you both times uh, from the one. But it's neither here nor there. It's a tie game, and you can say you can easily say, hey, the game is tied right there. So it it, it all works out because we still in the game as opposed to the disappointment of not getting any points. So. Um, it's 3-3, and uh, the Cowboys get the ball again and move uh, smartly down the field. Uh, and they, they take the ball to 25, and again, they're just moving up and down the field, man. And uh, I'm impressed with their offensive game plan at that particular time. Uh, as, uh, you know, they get the ball to CeeDee Lamb on a pass, Rico Dottle. I kind of like him. He goes for eight yards, then he goes for four on a run. Uh, they didn't really have any big plays on that drive, but they're down to the New England – uh, 25. And to me, this is what happens. And, and this thing is part of the game. They're trying to get Pollard around the corner, see what he can go. And uh, on uh, first and 10 from the 25, here's one of the key plays that shaped the Cowboys' 38-3 win over the Patriots. Pollard gets a block and then tripped up down around the 20. Christian Gonzalez made the tackle, and now he's hurt. I can ill afford to lose him. There you go. Thankfully, he's up. He has been just sensational. The rookie out of Oregon, first-round draft pick. Let's see what happened here. Yeah, we'll take a look. A nice tackle on Tony Pollard on the far sideline. 
he's back down again. You see him grasping that right shoulder. He kind of. Yeah, so Tony Pollard goes around in. He gets five yards. Christian Gonzalez from the Colony High School in Dallas. Then he went to Oregon. Then he ended up in the league as a first round pick. The way he fell, man, he got his arm stretched out there. And uh, I just saw uh, earlier today that he tore his pec on that play. So he's out indefinitely. Uh, he could be out for the year. Um, and so right then, here's the, here's the problem, though. When you're looking at Christian Gonzalez, what was he going to do? He's been, he's been playing terrific, even though we're early in the season. He was going to shadow CeeDee Lamb the entire game because that's what Belichick wanted to do to take CeeDee Lamb, try to take him out of the game and force Dallas to go some other places with the ball. So what does a good offensive coordinator do when they see a guy, a key player, being replaced because of injury or whatever, he's out of the game? They go on the attack. So the next play, Dak Prescott drops back, hits CeeDee Lamb, 20-yard touchdown, boom, Cowboys are up 10-3. It was, a, it was perfect execution. The throw was great. The route was nice. And I love the attack mode when you see an opportunity to take advantage of a player who's been injured. They went and did it, and uh, it led to seven points. Uh, what do you think about attacking on that particular play? Well, they always just say find the duck. The duck is the guy you shoot. And that guy, number 27, was I don't remember his name, but he was the duck. That's the guy you go after in coverage every time. So the Cowboys are up 10-3. They're moving the ball good. And I, I do this quite a bit. At that particular time, I go, you know what? This feels like the danger zone to me for the Patriots. Like they need to get some points because they don't need to fall behind 17-3. Because, again, with that Cowboys pass rush and their, in my opinion, lack of playmakers on offense, it's going to make it for a long day for Mac Jones. And they're going to have a hard time coming from behind against this particular Cowboys team. Uh, so they don't do anything with the ball. They punt. Uh, Cowboys waste some good field position at their 41, uh, three and out. And then here's what happens. Because it's three and out, the Cowboys punt. And uh, once again, I'm going to let you hear what happens on this play. Here's Demario Douglas. Big time kick inside the 15. The rookie in trouble. Oh, my goodness. Gets buried. Jalen Tolbert. 55-yard punts. And the special teams coverage terrific. Tolbert. Man, they're hitting out here in Arlington. Let me tell y'all something. You want to get on the field as a wide receiver, you go, you go down on special teams, start cracking heads. Why? Wide receiver is not necessarily a physical position. It's more of a finesse position. So if you're going to be a wide receiver and you can prove to your coaches that, hey, I'm physical enough to go down there and crack heads, they're going to find a spot for you because it shows some physicality, shows some speed, desire, athleticism. All, nothing but good stuff comes if you're on special teams, especially punt coverage as a wide receiver, and you start cracking heads. I can think of three. Billy Davis, oh. Sam Hurd, and Noah Brown. See, there you go. Yep. There you go. Yep. Uh, I wonder, if, I wonder if, if he asked them or did they ask him. On special teams? Yep. Well, number one, for real talk, if, uh, if you're a backup like him and you're a fourth or fifth receiver – 
if you want to make the team, you better you better be a contributor. If you want to guarantee a spot on the team, you better be a contributor on special teams. So they probably put him on there. But then what happens is it's up to you and your attitude to determine whether you just own the team or whether you're actually down out there trying to make plays and earn respect and earn playing time. Because I'm telling you, that's how it happens. Yeah. Uh, and so he did that. It was a big-time hit, as, as you heard the, the announcer say. But more importantly, it trapped, um, it trapped the Patriots at the 10-yard line. On first down, crowd riled up. They get a false start. Now it's first and 15 from the New England Five. They drop back. And, uh, you know, uh, actually, uh, Stevenson picked up three yards. So it's second and, and 12 after the, uh, after the penalty in the short game. Mac Jones drops back. Dante Fowler chases him from behind. Sack, fumble. Your favorite linebacker, Leighton Vanderesh, scoops that thing up. Five yards, he sprints into the end zone. Touchdown. Cowboys up 16-3. Two-point conversion fake. Two points to demoralize him. They up 18-3, to and at that moment, at that moment, for all intents and purposes, the game is over. Uh, and I say that because the emotional high that the Cowboys are on from that sequence of the touchdown, the sack, the forced fumble, the fumble return, the touchdown, the two-point conversion. Uh, Christian Gonzalez is out, so you know they're going to be handicapped on defense. Now they feel like they have to throw which means that's a Cowboys advantage with pass rush and secondary. It just everything to me said, unless something weird happens and they do something on this next drive, this game is really just a wrap. And it all started, that sequence all started with what? Jalen Tobert busting his ass on special teams, sprinting down there, uh, avoiding his blockers, and laying a big-time hit on uh, the Patriots' uh, punt returner and putting them in bad field position so that the defense – uh, and special teams could add to the to the uh, to the score and essentially put that game away. So that, my friends, is yet another edition of four plays that shaped the game. Uh, Cowboys thirty-eight to three win over the New England Patriots. Now I'm just saying this because it's impressive. In games not played against the Arizona Cardinals, the Dallas Cowboys have outscored their opponents one uh, eighty-nine to thirteen or something like that. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. It's uh, it's impressive. And it's usually the kind of stuff you only see in college football, but uh, they're doing it at the NFL level. Speaking of college football, bro, I spent the week in Boulder, Colorado, uh, for the biggest game. It felt like the biggest game of the week. It wasn't, but it felt like that. Colorado, USC. Um. I, like everybody else, figured that Colorado would, uh, would have a hard time beating USC. And um, they did. But, and they didn't win, but man, it was a terrific game. And I came away with a couple of takeaways from the Colorado-USC game. Uh, ended up being 48-41 to 41 USC. And US, Colorado was an onside kick away from, I think, winning the game. And you might be like, nah, nah, let me tell y'all something. If they had recovered the onside kick at midfield with a minute something left, there's no doubt in my mind whatsoever that they were going to drive for a touchdown and go for two and try to win it right there. No about, doubt in my mind. How about, how about you bust the grape in the first two quarters 
and you got a chance uh, to win the game. How about playing two know. halves and you got a chance to win the game? That that's what that's what Colorado need to do. They need to figure out how to play four um, quarters think, of football. Uh, I think um, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, I think the slow starts are concerning, but now I'm asking. I'm not. I'm not being an, a seven-letter cuss word, which I can be from time to time. Did you watch the game? What do you mean? That, yes, I watched the no, game. No, I'm asking because if you watch the game, then we can have one conversation. If you didn't watch the game, then we had to have another conversation. Oh, okay. So what no, I'm saying I, I is, don't. I don't watch the most polarizing figure in college football. No, I didn't watch the game. I, 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 mean, I, I still yeah. cut my own grass. I was outside cutting. Grass. Hell yeah, I watched the game. Uh, Come on, man. Was well then, like. They were buying, they were down in the first half, but it was like against Oregon, they had no chance. Mm-hmm. They were out physical, out muscled. They they were never in the game. That game was over after two possessions. The USC game, they couldn't take advantage of the opportunities that they had to stay in the game. I think they were down. Uh, I'm trying to remember, but they had like a 15 play drive. They went to about the ten yard line and, and they couldn't get it in, and then Jace Feely missed like a thirty nine yard field goal. And you know there was another time where they sacked. Uh, there was a fumbled snap. It was a bad snap from a center in the shotgun. They had like six guys around the ball. USC came up with it. Uh, so there were. This was not. They were down at one point, I think twenty eight to seven, but it felt much different than the way they got their butts kicked in, in Oregon. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, um, but it's still, you still got to capitalize. I'm just saying. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I, I get that. You still got to capitalize uh, on what you're doing. You still got – they still got to be steady. They don't have to work so hard in the second half if they can But they ain't steady. no good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, their defense is no good right now. So, sure. so there's no margin for error at all because – you know, their defense, here's their game plan on defense. Can we get a couple stops a game? Because they just have nothing. They got no pass rush. And if they don't get, you know, some turnovers, it's just really, really hard for them. So that 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 was kind of it. Like, you know, uh, now on another note that we're not going to really get into wait, too much wait, today. Wait, wait, wait. Their offense, their defense ain't no good. But when they offense stall out like that, it don't help at all. You know, yeah, when you get them three and out, three and out, three and out, three and outs, well, that don't help your defense at all. It's a fire drill on defense, but the offense don't help. When they, 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 they can't drive the ball and they can't hold the ball and give them no rest to give them time to figure out what's going on on the other side, it don't, it don't, nah, it don't bode well for you. That's what happened when you play that up-tempo air raid football. If it, if you have yeah. a three and out, you might only have the ball for 37 seconds. Yeah, that's it. And again, when the defense that you have, you don't have a lot of margin for error. But, um, you know, for them this year, it is what it is. I mean, they overmatched by USC. They're not really um, in a position. Like, I mean, there's a reason why they're 20-point underdogs in the game. It's the reason why they were 20-point underdogs against uh, Oregon. They missing it up front. But the interesting thing is, and the takeaway was, that Shadur Sanders is, um, is I mean, this ain't breaking no news, but he's, he's really good and the stage, whatever it is, don't really bother him. And that I talked to some people out there who said, you know, it's very interesting 
that because he's having to play like he is in college, it's actually helping him prep him for the pros because he don't have all day to sit back there and pick. His receivers aren't always open by 20 yards. Um, but the bigger thing for Colorado this year that will help them is that Cormani McClain, the five-star cornerback who's a true freshman who didn't play in the first three games uh, because he got in Deion Sanders' doghouse, he showed up and he actually played a decent game. Like, he made some plays his around the ball. and uh, But the bigger story is they found another receiver, this guy named Omarion Miller, who's a four-star true freshman from uh, Louisiana. So they always make you wonder how he got away from LSU. From the boot. Now, check this out, dog. He had not caught a pass the entire season. Four games, he ain't caught a single pass. He went seven for 196 against USC. And so right after the game, I'm talking to a member of the support staff. And, I, you know, y'all know how I get down. Dog, where, where this dude come from? What's his story? You know what he told me, man? Dude looked me right in the eyes and said, he didn't know the plays. Now, let me take this deeper for y'all. Shadur Sanders is such the quarterback that if you don't know the plays or you, or, or you bust routes or you don't know the offense, he will tell the coaches, I don't want him on the field, and if you put him on the field, I ain't throwing to him. So basically, he, you know, the guy won't play. And so I referenced a player at Jackson State, and I said, is this a situation like this guy? And he said, wow, absolutely. And so what happened is two years ago, Jackson State had a really talented guy, player, really talented, was killing people in practice, didn't know the offense, couldn't trust him in games. And so they worked out some system where whenever the play started, they let him know, this is the route you run it. However they got it to him, they let him know, hey, forget all this, this is the route you run it. That dude ended up with 12 touchdowns in the last nine games and averaged like 16, 17 yards a catch and helped them, you know, kill everybody in the rest of the season. And so I was, I got to do some more research, but I wondered if they did that with Miller and said, however we got to get him on the field, get him on the field because we need him. Because in my opinion, that offense, and you're a good person to ask, Joe, that offense don't really work with two good receivers. When you got three it works really well because either you go, either you target the guy who's got the third cornerback or you target the guy that they're not doubling. And you get a one-on-one matchup and you hope that your receiver most of the time can win that one-on-one matchup. And Shadur is very accurate with the ball. And so the offense really becomes very hard to stop in that situation. That's why Travis was such an asset on offense because you got to respect his speed to go deep. And when you lost that, the other guys were okay, but it just kind of messed up the vibe that they had. And so Omarion Miller, number 14, him coming to the offense, that might just be that extra little thing that they need until uh, Travis Hunter gets back. So uh, it was an interesting weekend. Colorado got Arizona State this week. And uh, for the first time, I think uh, for, the, for the first time since the Colorado State game and for the second time all season, they'll be favored to win a game. And so now this becomes the other tricky part of having a, a, a brand new team and trying to teach a team how to win and establish a culture. Okay, it's one thing to be the underdog. It's another thing to be favored to win, go on the road, handle your business, 
and come away with a W because if they're going to make a bowl this year, this is one of the games that they really need to have. Now, as we move away from uh, Colorado football, the biggest game in America this week is what, Doug? Oh, I don't know. Texas OU, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Texas OU. Uh, Texas, I'm not saying they're back yet. They look like they're back, but I'm not saying they're back yet. I need some more evidence. And uh, this week will provide some. Uh, Texas is playing really good football. Um, they're doing all the things that you want them to do in terms of, um, you know, taking care of business. And they don't always start fast, okay? And that's, you know, they started slow against Rice, but they won 37-10. to uh, Alabama, the, the win on the road, hey, what can you say about that? You, you win at Alabama, I don't care how you got it done, that's impressive. They started slow against Wyoming, then they won 31-10. to uh, They beat Baylor. 38-6. Last week, I told y'all, I think we talked about this, man. Kansas is a good team. This is not the Kansas that we, that we used to see. Kansas is a good team. Not a great team, but a good team. And they started a little slow with Kansas, but at the end of the day, uh, they beat the boys 40-14. to It was 13-7 to at halftime. They ended up beating them 40-14. to and the interesting thing is that Quinn Ewers did his thing, threw for 325 with a touchdown interception. Uh, they had a, a Donnie Mitchell catch 10 for 141, Xavier Worthy 7 for 93. Uh, I always like to throw my man John Tay Cook from DeSoto a bone. He caught one for 26. He had one for 52 the previous week, so he's starting to come on a little bit. But, hey, Jonathan Brooks, he might be the difference. 21 for um what did he end up having 21 for 218 and two touchdowns now if he's going to be the running back who can give them some uh some big games like that i mean he had 164 against wyoming uh but he only had 109 total yards the first two games so the last three weeks 164 against wyoming 106 against baylor 218 against uh kansas maybe they got the running back to go with everything else. It's going to make them dangerous. Uh, OU, man, it's all about Brent Venables, and he got his defense playing good. They were trash on defense last year, which is unusual for, for uh, Oklahoma. Now, we know about the offense, but uh, the defense has been trash. Uh, it was last year. It's been a lot better this year. Uh, big win over Cincinnati two weeks ago, 20-6. to six. And then Iowa State, which, you know, it seems to me, I'm taking a very quick exit. Iowa State had about a five or six-year resurgence under Matt Cook. Seemed like they was going to really be a, uh, you know, kind of like a TCU kind of program. Well, I think he stayed too long, man, because Oklahoma drilled them 50 to 20. And Oklahoma defense has been balling. And so this week, Texas OU, we're going to find out a lot about both teams. First time they've both been undefeated in a minute. And guess who's going to the game? Guess. You. How you figure that out, though? Yeah, I'm going. I'll be covering it for, uh, for Anscape and ESPN. And so I'm really interested to see how, uh, how Texas and OU match up. Uh, it's the first time, again, that both teams have been undefeated going into this game in a minute. 
and it's going to be a uh, it should be a really intriguing contest. I think Texas's offense um, will will be the ultimate advantage for them. Quinn Ewers again, if you are who we've been told that you are, and who people think that you are, and who you've shown to be at certain times, seems like he plays his best at big games. Um, I would expect a, a good performance from him, and I think uh, Texas will go to six and zero and uh, beat Oklahoma. I think they'll beat them actually uh, by about 10, 12 points. Um, I think the you know, because I think they're just in a good spot. I think for the first time in a long time, they're playing with a lot of confidence. And I, think I, think it's be, I think it's going to be tighter than that because I even see OU winning because OU is very quietly doing their thing. Texas is getting a lot of hype. Right. You know, I think you know, I'm down with hype. OU is going about their business very quiet. Very quietly, they rank number 12. Ain't nobody saying nothing about OU. And they pissed off about last year. So, I think it's going to be pretty tight down there. They they circling that game. I think it's – I'm, I'm going to think OU – I think OU is going to get that game. That's what I think. Okay, just come out and say it. Don't beat around the bush. Just just come out strong. Yeah, OU finna beat them by 50. If that's how you believe, then that's okay. That ain't what I said. I thought you said it was going to win. I didn't say by 50. Oh, well, you know, man, it's just a little hyperbole. You know, pump the people up. (laughs) Then we got another game from the weekend. Texas A&M. Dang, I just had it here. Who are the Aggies playing? They're playing Alabama. Um, Alabama, big win over Ole Miss a couple weeks ago. Nice win over Mississippi State last week. They went back it's, to Melrose. Well, they had to because the other, other two guys didn't show that they could play. It but was terrible. Yeah. I think what has happened, and this, you know, this happens from time to time, man. It just usually doesn't happen to Alabama. Uh, I think they figured out they're figuring out who Melrose is, and how to how to how to maximize what he can do. And they're taking advantage of it. Because he, he has a – I mean, it's me, but you see why he played. You see why he won the job. He definitely got a skill set. He definitely got a skill set. It's a matter of um, can you harness it and can you build the offense so that he can do what he does best. And so what did he do last week against Mississippi State? He yeah. threw the – Yeah, the 53-yard uh, oh. touchdown run. Well, check this out, dog. What he does best is run the ball. Yep. Uh, he's not an accurate passer, but he got a great arm. And so if you sleep on him, he can hurt you. And so they went back to, and I think they're going to play like this the rest of the year. They went back to old school. Alabama football. That was my Keith Jackson uh, impersonation. Yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're gonna go, they gonna go back to the Jalen Hurts playbook. Dog, they ran the ball forty three times yeah. and threw it thirteen. They can go back to the Jalen. They they got the play. They did the dust off the Jalen Hurts playbook. They That's got what they that doing. Playbook. Uh, yeah. Jalen Milrow, ten yeah. of twelve, but for one sixty four. Mm-hmm. He also ran eleven for sixty nine. Uh, Jace McLean fifteen for sixty three. They had another running back ten for forty four. They gonna run it. They ran it forty three for nine for one ninety three. Alito's Jace McLean. Oh, see, I didn't even know that. Yep. He's uh, an Alito kid. Yeah. Is he a freshman or sophomore? I think he might be a junior. No, shoot. Uh, we both off. He a senior. Okay. Uh, no, so, it, but anyway, they're going to run the ball. They're going to be physical. 
And, you know, y'all know, it's, it's funny to me. I probably, this real talk now, I probably have more friends, I'm being serious now, who went to A&M than who went to Texas. But I literally can't stand Aggie football. And for some reason, I kind of like Texas football. And I think it's because the Aggies are always whining and crying about something, but they don't never do nothing in these moments where they have something to do with. You know, Johnny football been gone for a minute now. They ain't really done nothing since Johnny football, and they didn't really do much before him. They get a lot of hype sometimes, but they don't never deliver. Alabama is vulnerable this year. Right now, they're vulnerable. Texas A&M roster on paper, loaded, loaded. But they're unranked. They're 4-1. and one. Uh, This is an opportunity at the crib where they can get Alabama. I don't think they will, but the opportunity is there. Yeah, the quarterback's out, but, um, you know, they had, a, uh, they had a pretty good performance last week from Wigman. Uh, and so we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think that uh, – I think – uh, I think Alabama will get them, but it would be I would be I would be pleasantly surprised if uh, if if A and M can can get it. Matter of fact, uh, correct me. Wigman went out with that injury. Um, I think he broke his leg two weeks ago. It was Max Johnson who went seventeen for twenty eight for two ten against Arkansas. Uh, you know they're gonna have to run the ball, which they did thirty nine for two hundred four against Arkansas. They're gonna have to run it against Alabama and stay out of them uh, passing situations. Uh, but We'll see how it goes. Those A and M comments don't pertain to me. I like the Aggies. I'm I'm good with. Why A&M. you like the Aggies? Uh, I spent some time on the campus. Uh, my son played seven on seven in the state tournament there. Uh, right. That was when Mike Sherman was there. I thought they were very inviting. Um, another time, my son went to the Governor's Cup there. That's like a special thing where you you go. Kids get invited there to learn stuff before they go to college. They get to spend time there. It's a good place. I like it. And the facilities were nice. The people were nice. Just a personal deal there. And my friends that go to A&M, some of their kids go. Some of my classmates went. Um, so, yeah, I like A&M. I told you, I got a lot of friends there. I just I don't like their football program. They spend too much time whining, and they got a little brother complex, and it gets on my nerves. Well, uh, that's, what, that's what people who love the Longhorns say. But... Well, I mean, they did make their fight song about Texas. I mean, as yeah. opposed to just making your fight song about your fight song. I mean, Texas didn't make their fight song about A&M. They just made their fight song. All right. Like I say, your, <laughs> your, your comments that pertain to Texas A&M, they're all yours. You can have them. No, they mine. I own them. Yeah. I understand. I'm own a buckeye. Own that shit. There you go. I'm a buckeye, so we just, you know, you yeah. know, Texas or a and in play second. But if in the state of Texas, since I spend my, most of my time here, it seemed like you need to pick one or the other. And, uh, you know, I just could never get down with it, with the Aggies, even though, you know how it goes, some of my best friends I think, are Aggies. I think Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher is overrated to me. No, so, he is. Yeah, he don't know how to develop a quarterback. None of that. They always, for the last five years, they've been one quarterback away from national contention. Yeah. Uh, last game we'll talk about real, very quickly, because uh, I'm interested in it, is uh, my boys, the Buckeyes, number four in the country, play Maryland. They got Tua's brother 
and I, and I have no idea whether my team is any good this year. Uh, I don't care. I mean, the four and zero record is nice. Uh, they beat Notre Dame on the last play. Notre Dame beat Duke on the last play. So does that mean we really ain't no better than Duke? And I don't think Duke is great. I think Duke is all right. Uh, I'm still not sure what Kyle McCord is, a quarterback. And so uh, this game will tell me a little bit because uh, Maryland is playing pretty good. They're feeling good about themselves. And uh, when you have a quarterback who's playing well, it gives you a shot to win. Uh, we got Penn State in a couple weeks. And so how we play Maryland will give me a clue to how, uh, how it'll go against Penn State. So I'm intrigued about that game, and I'm looking forward to, uh, to watching it. Um, that's our conversation on college football this week. And now let's quickly move to the NFL. Now let me ask you about this, man. The New York Giants got beat 24-3 last night. They didn't got beat and ham- they played two good they played two good quarters in four games this week. Uh Daniel Jones was awful. Uh and it doesn't matter whether you, you know, whether you want to blame him, whether you want to blame the whole team. 34 attempts but only 203 yards, two interceptions. Uh he got sacked 10 times. Uh I thought the Giants were going to be good. Is this all about Saquon Barkley who's out? No, nah, it's about Daniel Jones. It's about it's about thinking you had something to work with, but you really don't. It's thinking about making up your mind and paying a guy forty mil, you know, four years, one hundred sixty million, and you thought you had something to work with. Well, it's about the coach. It's about the coach and the quarterback. Bruh, that's that's the that's the most important relationship on the NFL team, and they ball didn't look happy. He over there tossing tablets and shit. <laughs> he talked to your boy after that interception. This was like, man, man. He went over there. Uh, Daniel, what did you see? Yeah. What's going uh, on? I don't know, coach. Yeah. Daniel, I what, you, this, what yeah. the hell was that? And this tablet yeah. ain't going to do your ass no good. I, obviously, it ain't no good. I mean. Yeah, he didn't like the answer. No, so. not at all. Not at all. Not so, at all. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. I mean, Saquon was out, but Breida is still pretty good. Still pretty good back. He ain't Saquon, but he played pretty good. But it's the game plan. It's the, it's the guy you have, and he ain't what you thought he was. No. All right. As, as we continue to uh, move through the NFL and uh, go through a little bit of what happened uh, Sunday, um, I thought – now, I did a little bit of research for a piece I wrote for Sports Not. Dot com where you can find a lot of my NFL commentaries uh, during the week, sportsnot.com. Uh, I thought I did some research, and it showed that the last four teams in the modern era, which is post-1971, that had scored at least 60 points in a game. There's been four of them. Uh, I don't know if I shared this with you. Do you know what the average of those teams was the next week, bro? Nope. The four teams that scored 60 points one week, they averaged the next week. Well, take a guess. Do you have a guess? I don't know, 21 points. That's a good guess. How about 12.5? <laughs> Which at one level makes sense to me. And it makes sense to me for this. Scoring 60 points is an anomaly in an, in an NFL season. So you're not really that good. So you spend all week getting loved on. And told what an amazing performance that was, and you looked at the film twenty-seven times, 
and it's just hard to get it back reeled in for the next week. So I was a little – I thought that would happen to the Dolphins, especially because they were going to Buffalo to play, uh, and it did. Buffalo 48, Miami 20. A week after scoring 70, they scored 20. A week after getting 700 yards of total offense, I think the Dolphins ended up with uh, 393, which is not bad. But they were 3 for 10 on third down, and your boy Tua got sacked uh, four times, and I think he got hit nine other times. Buffalo defense controlled the front. And uh, Tyreek Hill has had a couple of these games where he disappears. He got three for 58. And so um, Dolphins are still really good. But Buffalo, since losing that opener to the Jets, dog, uh, 38 to 10 over the, over the Raiders. I couldn't figure out whether to call him Oakland, Los Angeles, or Las Vegas. So that's why you had that stumble there. Just call them the Raiders. But they, might, they might move again. True that, true that. 37-3 over the Commanders, and then 48-20 to 20 over uh, Dolphins. So my dad, the season ticket holder with Buffalo, took a selfie from the stadium and said, life is good the other day, to which I could only say, I guess it is when your team is rolling like that. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know about Buffalo, though, because they, you know, they put Josh Allen in harm's way too much. Josh Allen, dog. he reminds me of Cam Newton, the way he okay. runs the ball, the shots that he takes. And they don't okay. really call a lot of uh, – he don't slide. Nope. And so I, I got a problem with that because they really need a running game to take some of that punishment punishment from him. How long is he going to play like that? I don't know. But what they need to do is they need to call the Colts and say, stop all this BS about you want two number ones or all this stuff. Uh, we'll give you this for Jonathan Taylor. Yep. That's who they need. Because he gives them a legitimate running back and a uh, legitimate opportunity to um, to, uh, to to have a ground game, which means Josh Allen does not have to be your best running back, yep. which he is right now. Uh, my boy C.J. Stroud, he appears to be coming along just fine, and I'm a you know dog. Uh, he's coming along faster than people thought. He was 16 to 30 the other day, but for 306 and two touchdowns. You'll take that. Um, they strung together a running game, ran it 38 times. And, uh, you know, man, last week his boy Tank Dell had a 100 yard game. This week, Nico Collins had a 100 yard game. And, 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 them red jerseys and helmets was fire. <laughs> now, that's typically something I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so no, I, I like what I like what they're doing, and I'm just gonna say keep an eye out on the Panthers because they play in a weak division. The Texans. The, I'm sorry, the Texans. They play in a weak division. They two and two, and you can make some hay in that division because, you know, it's just not that good with Tennessee, with the Colts, and with the Jaguars. Anthony uh, Jaguars, huh? Anthony Richardson is playing better than people thought. Actually, somebody wrote this the other day, and I, I didn't disagree that Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson was the order of, of, of the draft, but it's C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and Bryce Young is the order of performance. Yeah, for now, yeah. I think, no, it's all for now. I think Bryce Young is more Drew Brees than, than Russell Wilson. That's fine. Uh, yeah, but I think he'll be Drew that type Reed, of player. You just got to put some, some weaponry around him, and you know it's going to take a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and so, you know, with rookie quarterbacks, man, it is what it is. If they don't have no weapons, it's just going to take a minute. Uh, Justin uh, Fields played his best game, and the Bears still find a way to lose. Yeah, they got a terrible head coach. Uh, you know, I can't, you know, even is my guy, but I can't really defend him right now. Uh, Justin Fields, 335, four TDs, an interception. Why, why is he your guy? Oh, because uh, he coached for the Cowboys. He was a good guy. He's a good guy? All right. Yeah. Yeah. Put, that, mean, put that on his resume. Yeah. Uh, spoke to Jacques Taylor frequently. Was a good guy in Dallas. Uh, so, you you know, you there's, there's some bad guys out there that I wouldn't root for who coach for the Cowboys. Yeah. But they got head coaching jobs. Just like Sean Payton is my guy. So okay. while, while I was sad to see Ibra Flues lose the 28-7 lead, and I like Justin Fields because he's a Buckeye, which makes him my guy. You know, Sean Payton is my guy. Uh, now, Sean Payton is more my guy than Ibra Flues is my guy because if I text Sean Payton, he'll return the text. Right. So uh, that's why he's my guy. But uh, it was a big win for the Broncos because down 28-7, they had every opportunity to quit and uh, lay it down after getting 70 hung on them the week before, and they chose to fight and, uh, and play. So they get credit for that. Maybe, uh, your boy, maybe your boy didn't cuss everybody out this week. <laughs> maybe, he didn't, maybe he didn't throw everybody under the bus this week. Hey, man, maybe so, maybe so. Yeah, maybe, he, maybe a little crow is in order. You, you cuss your defense coordinator out, call him out in public, and give up 70 points. Maybe you need to go down to that office and talk to him a little bit. <laughs> Hey man, I'm yes, sorry. Sir. My bad. Uh, what's up with Joe Burrow and the Bengals? Uh, they get hammered 27-3. I think the calf is bothering him. He can't really play the way he want to play. And uh, Jamar you know, Chase. Jamar Chase ain't happy. He was talking shit. So. Ain't nobody happy. Yeah. Uh, they had big expectations. Yeah. And their season is almost over because they got Buffalo and San Francisco coming up in the next uh, month or so. And if they don't if they don't work it out, it's going to be a problem. Um, so, you know, it's a, that's a wrap-up for the NFL for this week. Uh, we appreciate you guys hanging through another issue, edition. It's not an issue. It's an edition of uh, Shock Talk with me, Jean-Jacques Taylor, from my boy Big Joe and the Big Rig. We'll talk to you guys in two days, and we'll have a whole bunch of information about Dallas and San Francisco and a new edition of whispers from the start that news you can't see here we get anywhere but jock talk each and every friday during the cowboys football season so until we chat again y'all be blessed